Hello and welcome to Nat's Talk on the Go, episode 159. Welcome back to us. Uh, we rise from the dead last week, like Robert Griffin III. Uh, we're back, and it's baseball season. The season has actually begun. We are no longer talking about uh, what could possibly happen. We finally have exciting things to talk about. Uh, thank you for joining me here on uh, this fantastic podcast, and thank you so much for all of the kind words last week regarding our first podcast back of the year uh, in quite some time since before the playoffs last year. Uh, you guys had some really great things and some really uh, positive feedback. Um, I would like to note that I do know that uh, it's Victor Robles, uh, and that it is bullish, not bearish. And at one point, I believe I even called uh, Davey, uh, my, there we go, Davey Martinez. I believe I called him uh, Davey Williams. So that was pretty embarrassing. So hopefully that stuff doesn't happen to me tonight. But who knows what's going on in this little brain of mine? Uh, but we're here. We're going to have a good time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, all the questions. Uh, thank you for just tuning in. And I really hope that this podcast comes to you at a great time so that you can listen on your way to the Nationals home opener, which as of this recording is tomorrow. Um, gates are opening early. It's going to be fun. I am unfortunately not going to be in attendance, but I look forward to hearing and seeing pictures from everyone there and just having essential eternal FOMO. So really excited for that. And the Nationals are going to be having their home opener and giving away some awards and maybe unveiling a NL East champions banner. Who knows exactly what all is going to happen, but there's some hardware to give out. Uh, and the Nationals are going to be uh, sporting a four and two record after their first two series, uh, a series sweep against the Cincinnati Reds to open the year, uh, and then a series loss against the Atlanta Braves down at SunTrust Field Park Stadium, Cobb County awfulness with Waffle Houses, uh, where they apparently don't even know how to turn the lights on right. So good job, guys. Another 10 years and you can get a new stadium and fleece some more taxpayers. So awesome job down there. Uh, but before uh, we get things started, uh, please go ahead and check us out on Twitter at Nats Talk on the Go. Uh, I am at Craig Mac. Subscribe on iTunes, Nats Talk on the Go. All of our uh, catalogs should still be there for, for uh, if you're a new listener. And I hope there are some out there, and I really love to hear from you and get you participating in uh, this little experiment that uh, I'm doing. So. Let's go ahead and dive right in. We've got a little bit of a breakdown. Uh, let me tell you exactly how the show's going to go this week. Uh, we're going to talk about some on-the-field happenings and uh, some particular players, pitchers, uh, position players, uh, some potential battles that might be out there. I'm looking at you, A.J. Cole. Um, and then we're going to go into some more uh, fun, irreverent, more macro-level topics and before... I will ultimately get to your questions. So uh, let's dive right in. Um, opening day is tomorrow. I love opening day. It is one of the best days in of the year for me. 
uh, not just the season opener, but the home opener as well. You know, you show up at the ballpark, there's all the bunting, the banners, uh, the grass is greener, the air feels vibrant, and it's just such a great atmosphere, and it almost doesn't matter what happens on the field. It's the the beginning of a long grind of a season, 162 games over so many, so many months. What is it, six months all told? It is a deathly long season, and so uh, one game... Opening day, I've seen my fair share of ugly opening days and my fair share of great opening days. Um, there's just something about it. You will never leave the ballpark unhappy on opening day. It just It's criminal, and it should never happen. So there's just something special about it, getting a, getting a hot dog, getting a beer, and just really experiencing um, the pump and the circumstance and the player introductions and all that stuff. There's really nothing like it. And one of the things I really like about uh, this year, unfortunately, the Nationals were, I believe it was rain, rained out uh, last Thursday for their opener against the Reds in Cincinnati. But Major League Baseball finally did something right, which is, you know, we're, we knock them all the time when they do things wrong, which they do several things wrong, but they did opening day right this year. They had all 30 teams scheduled to start on that day. And it was only the Nationals and Reds that were uh, not playing. So it was just from about noon to 1 o'clock in the morning. There was just nonstop baseball on. And it was just a kind of way to jumpstart the year. And that was just so fun to just gorge on baseball and just be happy that the games actually mattered. And it was players whose names you've mostly heard of before. And ace versus ace, number one starter versus number one starter. Uh, everyone starting the year with their high hopes of uh, playoffs and World Series championships unless you're the Marlins. Um, so just really great all around. And unfortunately, the Nationals didn't get that and lost their uh, first off day of the year. Uh, but that's why they build in those uh, kind of four, three games over four days in the beginning of the year. Because I want to say it's the uh, Detroit Tigers at this point. They have three or four rainouts uh thus far rainouts slash maybe some snowouts um so they've already missed three of their games and that's just crazy but that's why we have uh some extra days built in in the schedule and like i believe i mentioned last year or last week uh nlb actually added about six more off days throughout the year uh as part of the collective bargaining agreement um some changes there and that's kind of why uh, the season started in March as opposed to uh, when it normally does in April. So um, opening day came and went, and it was the first time in about a year, uh, 11 months, that the Nationals really had a full lineup uh, that was their, this is what we envision as our opening day lineup lineup out there. It was... Um, Adam Eaton and your Trey Turner and your uh, Rendon, and there were no injuries to this point. Well, I guess you could say Daniel Murphy, so scratch all that that I just said. No Daniel Murphy, but uh, the point is uh, you saw a glimpse of a top five in the batting order, top six in the batting order, that was just uh, soup to nuts fantastic. Um, seeing Getting Adam Eaton back after his knee injury at the end of April last year, was just phenomenal. It was so good to see. And if you remember, 
on last week's podcast, I definitely mentioned that I think Adam Eaton would surprise a lot of people uh, because he was good last April. He was a very good table setter. He was right in line with his career numbers, uh, just really solid, great defense, um, great on-base skills. And I think everyone kind of forgot that initially uh, after he got hurt. And it was just, okay, this is what the Nationals team is now. You got Michael A. Taylor in center and Jason Worth in left and Harper in right. And that was just what we got used to. And seeing uh, Adam Eaton back there at the top of the lineup, um, yes, he had an incredible opening series. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Just the things he was able to do. I mean, for the Nationals to go four straight games to start the season – uh, 36 straight innings um, with a lead uh, by the end of every single inning for 36 innings. First time, I believe, since 1912 that ever happened. And it was mostly in part of Adam Eaton. I mean, he was on base, I want to say, three times in the opening game. He went five for five in the second game, hitting a bomb, almost hitting for the cycle. If, he, if his knee was... Uh, in 100% shape, and he wasn't still nervous about it, I guarantee he would have had that cycle plus uh, some extra to go along with it. So um, just seeing Adam Eaton up there, Mighty Mouse, getting NL Player of the Week honors, um, and it really shows how important that top of the lineup is. I mean, there's a question we're going to get to later. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's some good beer. There's a question I'm going to get to later. About Trey Turner, um, from I believe it's The Dan, uh, talking about whether he's going, Trey Turner's regressing, uh, going to regress this year. And honestly, Trey Turner did not have a phenomenal year last year. He missed a lot of time with injury. And then outside of that, he was not the player that everyone hoped he was. If you remember back before the 2017 season, Trey Turner was kind of a dark horse MVP candidate. Right there in his really his second year in baseball, and he kind of got off to a rocky start and then got hurt and never really was um, everything the Nationals hoped and Nationals fans hoped he would be. So we didn't really get to see a true leadoff, uh, high on base percentage guy in that spot most of the year last year. Um, fast, for, fast forward to 2018. And you've got Adam Eaton, who pretty much leads the world in on-base percentage right now and runs. He's got, I want to say, at least eight runs already through six games. Um, Just shows how important it is to have that top of the lineup. I mean, how many innings did we see in the first four or five games of the season where uh, Adam Eaton got on, whether it was a single, whether it was a walk, whatever, um, Anthony Rendon gets him to second or third, and then Bryce Harper knocks him in. I mean, it just seemed to be rinse, repeat. This is how we're going to make some runs. I mean, Harper wasn't, uh, he's the first couple, two games of the season, I believe. Maybe, yeah, I want to say the first two games of the season. He maybe had one or two hits, but he had several runs and several RBIs because he was getting uh, productive outs, scoring Eaton, uh, maybe sacrifice flies here or there. But he had some RBIs. He had some runs himself. So just being able to not have to worry at the top of the lineup and getting those hitters and those high on base percentage players at the top of the lineup, I think that kind of shows a, how important it is to have your uh, highest on base percentage guys at the top of the order. Kudos to you, Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo. Uh, But also um, 
what the offense can really, really do when you have a great, great top of the order uh, and when they're getting the lion's share of the at-bats. So uh, Adam Eaton, he made the phenomenal catch on Wednesday in the day game against the uh, Braves. Defense has been sound. His base running has been great. He's been really the exact table setter uh, that you want. And I think he's really done better than most people would expect, uh, at least up until this point. So Adam Eaton doing fantastically. Anthony Rendon right there. Bryce Harper. I mean, what more are you going to say about the guy? He just doesn't fail to entertain. He is one of, one of if not the most entertaining player in baseball. Um, I still will believe for a long, long time that Mike Trout is the best player in baseball and that Bryce Harper is um, probably second best to Mike Trout, and there's nothing wrong with that. Both of them are absolute generational players and phenomenal, and I would gladly have either of them on my team for the long haul. Um, but Mike Trout is uh, Wonder Bread. He's White Bread. He's Milk. He's boring. He's quiet. He's unassuming, and he just kind of wants to go about his work and doesn't really care that much for the spotlight, whereas Bryce Harper, he hears fans yelling overrated and proceeds to hit his second home run in as many at-bats, and then he gets booed and then does it again. So uh, just having that attitude and that swagger of Bryce Harper with the Louis Vuitton uh, special one-of-a-kind cleats... um, he defines entertainment, and I know we appreciate Bryce Harper as a player, uh, but I want to make sure everyone appreciates Bryce Harper more uh, this year. Uh, he's really done some amazing things at the beginning of the year. I want to say he has four home runs now, and he just seems locked in. Uh, and I will, once again, just like I did with uh, Major League Baseball, um, credit where credit is due. FP Santangelo, uh, not, uh, this podcast has historically not been a huge fan of his, uh, his announcing or his commentary. Uh, it just kind of drones on and on. Um, but he made some really interesting points about Bryce Harper and, uh, how he was staying back on the ball and kind of eliminated that, uh, that I want to say it's his left, uh, foot coming off the ground as much as it was last year. Uh, and sometimes going a bit no stride. I thought that was some of the best analysis I've seen from FP. So, uh, credit where credit is due. I thought that was really interesting, and it definitely shows how much calmer Bryce seems to be. He's still got that violence in his swing, but his kind of pre-swing and his uh, his stride is so much more calm and leveled, and then it's just like unleash the fury. Uh, so I thought that was a great little bit of analysis from FP, and I really, uh, really actually enjoyed that. Now, uh, talk to me again in July when um, FP is saying the same exact thing, and... We've heard it for the 58th and a half time. Uh, so uh, Bryce Harper, just entertainment on top of entertainment. Just such a great player. Zim, off to a little bit of a rocky start thus far, but uh, he really didn't have a spring training. Uh, what are you going to say? He played on the backfields against minor league competition, supposedly, and supposedly looked good. So I'm sure his timing will get there. Minor league pitchers are not major league pitchers. There's a reason they're in the minor leagues and not the major leagues. So, uh, Ryan Zimmerman is still probably working out some kinks. Uh, Matt Wieters obviously already on the disabled list. Wah, wah. Uh, he was a big fan of a lot of people to uh, be that 
kind of turnaround player this year and really have a, a good season after looking uh, much better in the spring, uh, losing some weight and all that. But he is on the DL with an oblique issue, which lets us uh, gives us a chance to see backup catcher Miguel Montero, um, who's got a little a little pudge to his stomach, so he's a favorite of mine uh, in terms of that. So I, I like a, a catcher with some with some uh, some girth, some weight. A nice little uh, pot belly, so that's that's good. And then uh, Severino, this kid, he I think should be starting in the meantime instead of Montero. I know Max Scherzer had a little bit of a tough time with him uh, on Wednesday's afternoon game. They didn't seem to line up all day, uh, but that will sometimes happen. But he's a fast catcher. He gets on base. Uh, he is definitely not what you normally see, uh, at least at the plate. Uh, out of a catcher. So I think he has been a nice little surprise here at the beginning of the year. So um, let's see. Anyone else really stand out? Uh, Wilmer Defoe hasn't done too much. Uh, the old center field platoon of Michael A. Taylor and uh, Brian Goodwin. I call it a platoon because it really seems like they're both getting pretty much equal time um, and they're both taking advantage of it. Brian Goodwin with some great defensive plays in the outfield, and uh, I believe he had uh, some really nice uh, plate appearances. I want to say he had a home run. can't remember. And then Michael A. Taylor, obviously, with the, uh, the grand slam, I think. I might be mixing those up. Either way, the center field position right now, I really like seeing these two players battle. Uh, it's great. It's good for both of them to have that competition who wants it more and I think right now both of them are kind of uh stepping up and I uh whatever way it turns out whether it's uh Michael A. Taylor uh really ends up getting you know five out of every six games or whether it's uh Brian Goodwin uh getting more playing time than he has been I think it's a win-win for us uh it's they're both young they're both controllable players um with a lot of upside so I think whichever way it turns out, uh, center field position right now is looking really solid. So I like that a lot. Mm. There's going to be some more breaks uh, just like that this week. And basically, uh, I get thirsty. I'm talking a lot. So um, every now and then I just want a little sip of beer. And it really helps uh, keep the show going, I think. Uh, this podcast brought to you by beer and Lisa Mattresses and... Maybe uh, the Cash App, and maybe one day we'll actually be brought to you by, like, uh, uh, what is that job one? Um, I can't even remember right now. I hear it all the time, but um, it's a better way to find a job. So that's cool. And, oh, maybe one day Blue Apron. If you're listening, Blue Apron, I really love eating food. So uh, sponsor this podcast and send me free meals, and then you guys can get you know, thirty dollars off your initial order or whatever, and so that'll be cool. Maybe one day, and maybe me undies, and hit all those big podcast ones, and it'll be great. Uh, Dollar Shave Club, uh, even though I don't think they would ever sponsor this show because, well, I've got a beard, so I don't really use a razor in a traditional way. So anyway, uh, getting back to it, um, we're gonna take a little bit more of uh, some irreverent breaks, some little. Uh, asides here than we have uh, in the past um, just because it keeps my mind fresh and refo- and it gives me a chance to refocus and uh, kind of get to what I want to talk about next. Um, 
Uh, well, which I want to talk about next is I want to talk a little bit about the starting rotation. We kind of went through some of the players and how they're performing thus far. Um, but we really didn't talk about the starters too much. Uh, Max Scherzer has been, to this point, the only national starter to have multiple starts. And he was good on opening day. He was good. He wasn't Max Scherzer good, though. He was solid, but he wasn't Cy Young Award winner on opening day. And I'm not sure what happened on uh, Wednesday's start against the Braves. It seems like after the uh, first inning Defoe two-out error, uh, things kind of really just never settled in for him after that, uh, which is unfortunate. He threw a lot of pitches, uh, I want to say 109 pitches in five innings, which... Anyone who knows Max Scherzer and has followed his work closely, which I assume if you're listening to a national-specific podcast hosted by one crazy dude, then you probably are familiar with Max Scherzer and what he is all about. And uh, 109 pitches in five innings is not the Max Scherzer we know and love, um, whether it was with Severino or um, the quick turnaround after last night's game. I'm not sure, but Max Scherzer has yet to really uh, round out into form uh, the way we know and love. Uh, so I'm not concerned in the slightest that he will turn around because he's Max Scherzer and he's won back-to-back NL Cy Youngs uh, for his second and third overall Cy Young Awards. So not too concerned at all with him. I think he'll settle in uh, and... Up until today, uh, he's been good enough. I mean, he was plenty good enough on opening day, and uh, I don't think uh, two starts at the beginning of April and end of March really uh, should be any cause for concern of anyone out there. Um, whereas <clears throat> uh, this uh, podcast host also suggested that uh, Steven Strasburg was going to be the Nationals Cy Young Award winner so the best pitcher on this ball club uh, this year. And if his opening day start is any indication, uh, yeah, he definitely is. And he kind of took the changes he made uh, at the beginning of the last season and in the middle, through the first half of last season, he's really changed himself as a pitcher. Uh, switching from uh, a full windup into the stretch has really straightened a lot out for him. Uh, what happens when you do that is there's so much less moving parts. Um, when you're going from a full windup, you've got your whole body turned, you have to get square, you have to make sure you're doing everything the same same way every time. And there's just so much more to focus on with repeatability. And yeah, there's muscle memory and all that stuff, but when you go when you're going all the time from the stretch, which is what Strasburg switched to last season, uh, it kind of simplified everything and let him focus on just throwing the ball instead of trying to aim the ball or having to worry about, okay, I have to make sure I get my uh, my foot in the right spot or uh, make sure I get my shoulders turned <clears throat> exactly the right way. And so that really uh, was a great change for him last year, and he has kept that going full stop into the season. And I think we're in for another good year from Steven Strasburg. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him uh, tomorrow for opening day and seeing what he can really uh, throw out there. So um, Gio Gonzalez, another pitcher who had a surprisingly effective uh, 2017 campaign. 
he has always had a tendency to throw too many pitches, to walk guys, to fall apart when there are errors behind him and generally not have any success after the fifth inning. Uh, last year was seemed like an anomaly. He had returned to uh, his uh, numbers almost of when he had his uh, Cy Young top 10 season when he first came over uh, from the A's. And he did really well. And the Nationals had no qualms with picking up his, I want to say, $12 million option. And he went out there uh, in third game of the season, and he was fantastic. I want to say he went through seven innings and just was really, really solid. Uh, didn't walk guys, was throwing strikes. So uh, seeing Gio Gonzalez start the season the way he ended last season, uh, just with that same effectiveness that we uh, kind of were hesitant to get used to because we've been burned by Gio Gonzalez before, um, was a great thing to see. And then Tanner Roark was solid old Tanner Roark, who is, I want to say, probably the best fielding pitcher in the National League. Uh, he, uh, I see Tanner Roark as the Anthony Rendon of pitchers in the National League, for sure. Uh, just really solid numbers uh, all the time. Just going to go out there and compete for you. All those gritty uh, words like that. But just really underrated uh, throughout baseball. I mean, putting up solid numbers for, I want to say, two or three straight seasons. So uh, Tanner Roark was great. Uh, which brings me finally, and uh, unfortunately, to A.J. Cole. Oh, boy. A.J., A.J. Cole. Um, there is no clean coal uh, going on here. It is absolutely 100% a myth. There is no such thing as clean coal. Um, he hit a home run. <laughs> that was really cool and really unexpected, especially after he was terrible uh, for that, uh, I want to say, first inning against Atlanta in his first start of the season. Um, gave up four runs, gave up some home runs. Just generally, he does not have the stuff, it seems, to compete at a major league level. I'm not sure if he would translate over to a bullpen position, but being that A.J. Cole is out of options, um, I think the Nationals are probably going to stick with him for at least one more start. Um but that was rough. We've seen A.J. Cole never really get there uh, in his major league career, and that's a real shame because there was a lot of promise for him uh, over the last uh, six years, and it's just never panned out. And the Nationals uh, signed Jerry, Jeremy Hellickson. Uh, he's, I believe, starting at Double A, and I believe the only reason he's starting at Double A instead of Triple A is because the Harrisburg Senators, I want to say, are playing... Uh, in Bowie over the, their next series, so they want to keep him close uh, in case they decide to actually go ahead and bail on uh, A.J. Cole now. And obviously, if they do that, that is more than likely the end of the A.J. Cole era in Washington. Uh, whether they're ready to do that or not, I'm not sure. Um, I think if you poll uh, the audience who watched his start last night, I would say 99 out of 100 of them uh, 99 out of 100 Nets Talk On A Go listeners would probably pass on uh, seeing A.J. Cole in a Nationals uniform again. And it's a shame. Like I said, he had a lot of promise, but just never was able to uh, convert his um, raw talent to the major league level. So rough, rough, rough start 
really hard to watch. Uh, just ineffective. Not able to throw strikes, not able to command his pitches, just not major league quality. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just um, whether the Nationals want to stick with that uh, for much longer. And I think they probably can. They can afford it for sure with the way the NL East is shaping up with the Marlins uh, dumpster fire. Um, the Braves are not good. Uh, they had they have Freddie Freeman, and they had they got a bad Max Scherzer, and that's pretty much what happened. Um, they got AJ Cole and an off his game Max Scherzer, and they have Freddie Freeman. That's pretty much all they've really got going on. Uh, looks like Albies is going to be a little bit of a player. They've got the biggest prospect in uh, all of baseball uh, sitting there waiting to come up. Uh, so we'll be uh, hearing from him very soon. Um, the Mets are always going to be the Mets, and then the Phillies. Uh, I encourage everyone listening to this podcast to go and search uh, reviews of Gabe Kapler <laughs> through the first week of the season. Um, to say he's had a rocky start would be um, wrong. Uh, rocky is way too nice of a word for how rough his beginning has been. Uh, he has had, he pulled a starting pitcher with two outs in the fourth, I want to say up five or six runs at 68 pitches. Um, he called a bullpen pitcher to pitch without having the pitcher warm up. So he just called for a cold arm and uh, literally uh, the MLB had to come out with a statement saying, we don't actually have a rule for letting pitchers warm up m- more because they're not warmed up because we essentially figured no one was dumb enough to ever actually do that. Welcome to the 2018 Phillies, Gabe Kapler. Um, you've already had a position player pitching, which I'm feeling we're going to see a lot of uh, out of the city of brotherly love and battery throwing um, throughout this year. Uh, so not too worried about them. Uh, so that's a little Emily snapshot, but I think the Nationals can afford uh, to have uh, a little bit of a longer leash with A.J. Cole in that number five spot as of right now. So I'm not too concerned about that. Um, it is what it is for now. One day, I mean... A.J. Cole is not going to be horrible every single time out, but he's not really ever going to be great. So, mm. Great. So everyone's excited for opening day uh, tomorrow, Thursday, the 5th of April. It's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. Strasmus, it's always a good time. Um, before we get into, and before, by we, I'm not ever. going to try not to refer to myself as we, because that's super-duper weird. Um, before I get to questions, uh, I wanted to talk about a couple things going around baseball and a couple questions that I've thought of and really just wanted to talk about. So um, anyone who's followed the wider world of sports in the last week, and I don't blame you if you haven't because baseball is back, and like I said, we can gorge and be happy and be merry and drink the finest bagels and muffins in all the land. Um Yes, I said drink the finest muffins, whatever. Uh, it's a West Wing quote. It's okay. Um, but I wanted to talk about what happened in um, Chicago in hockey uh, just last week. Um, for those of you who haven't seen the story, 
the Blackhawks had an injury to their backup uh, goaltender. And so there is a provision in hockey where each town or each National Hockey League city has a list of what they call emergency goalies. Uh, It's usually rec league players or uh, college players, and they always have one on call for their city. For instance, in this game, uh, the Blackhawks were playing the Winnipeg Jets, and there was this gentleman who was uh, a backup goalie, and he was at the rink, and his name was Scott Foster. He was, uh, I want to say, a 35, 36-year-old accountant who played in college, and he was the designated backup catcher. Now, the way this works in hockey is that as the backup catcher, you are just generally a backup catcher. You are not the Blackhawks uh, home team backup catcher. Uh, but you could also, if the Winnipeg Jets needed it, you would be the Winnipeg Jets backup, uh, uh, I believe I said catcher again, whoops, uh, backup goalie. Um, you would be just the designated one for the city. And you get there and really it never happens and you never play. I want to say the Capitals uh, had their, I guess, social media guys, something like that, uh, suit up for them a couple years ago. But this guy, Scott Foster, actually got in the game, uh, which it's just so wild to think about. Uh, just this amateur player with no professional experience to speak of, uh, just essentially called out of the stands to put on the pads and get in the net against uh, hockey players making millions and millions of dollars and just to take shots from them. And I kind of wanted to talk about that in a baseball context because what would it be like for, say, the Washington Nationals to uh, have all their pitchers get salmonella or food poisoning. And um, I know in the past you see position players pitching, but in this instance you would have a random college guy or a random 30-year-old social ball player come in and pitch. And I just think the whole concept is really fascinating. I don't think it would work in baseball, Um, but just to put it in context about how strange it was, I just thought it was worth mentioning because it was a really cool story. The guy got seven saves against uh, a a Winnipeg team that's at the top of, uh, near the top of their conference. So uh, you wouldn't see that in baseball because even when position players come in, they rarely uh, do that well. I mean, you don't see a lot of strikeouts. You... um, it's blowout games, so it's just such a foreign concept, and I can't really picture it in any sport other than hockey, where the fact that it does exist is just absolute insanity, and I can't imagine anything like that ever happening in baseball, uh, or even how it could possibly happen, because I know you put me in the batter's box um, against uh, a major league caliber pitcher, and I would freak the fuck out. It would be horrifying and scary, so just... Having an amateur getting there uh, against professionals is just incredibly insane. So I just thought that was really funny. Um, and then uh, let's see the next thing I have for my random topics. Uh, Homer Bailey. That's a really bad baseball name. That's it. I mean, I just think we don't talk about it enough that Homer Bailey is a really bad name, especially for a pitcher. Um, Milton Bradley's okay. Uh, that one's fine. 
but I just think Homer Bailey's a really bad name. That's all. Um, and lastly, this one uh, kind of turning things back around towards uh, the Nationals. Um, the Nationals and Mike Rizzo are really good at building teams. Uh, what I mean by that is I can only list four multi-year contracts that are that Mike Rizzo has done that are probably widely recognized as not good signings. Literally in almost a decade, there have only been four that I could think of uh, with the help of uh, Mr. Joe, formerly of Nat's Talk on the Go. Um, and that is... Uh, Jonathan Pavlovon, obviously, two years, $24 million. Uh, Rafael Soriano, another closer, two years, $22 million. So that's uh, $46 million right there. Uh, Nate McClough, um, guy got hurt. It was a two-year, $10 million deal. He got hurt. Uh, might not necessarily have been uh, a bad signing had he stayed healthy and been the Nate McClough that he was signed. So um, I think... That one might get a little bit of a pass. And then, of course, everyone's favorite horrible, horrible Cuban pitcher, Uneski Maya. Yeah, that's right. Remember him? He was so, so bad. Uh, and he was supposed to be uh, good. Uh, four years, $8 million. So that's, in the course of a decade, that's, I want to say it's like uh, $64 million in bad contracts. Uh, maybe 72 I don't know. There's some math there. I don't feel like doing it right now. Um but that's all I could think of. And I don't think that gets talked about enough. How good Mike Rizzo is at building NL East contending teams. Uh, there have been a lot of contracts given out in baseball that immediately turned into albatrosses. You've got Albert Pujols turned into just a nightmare. Former Nats great Jordan Zimmerman signed a huge, I believe over a $100 million deal in Detroit. And he has been... Not he has been a shadow. He has been a shell of the pitcher he was. The very good number two, number one starter uh, that he was in Washington. He has been nothing compared to that. Jason Worth, $126 million deal. And I believe uh, it's been discussed before, but I think that the Nationals got their money out of that contract. Uh, they got the worth that they... Uh, wanted to. They wanted a change in culture. They wanted a, a big splash, and they definitely got it. And I think uh, they got their money's worth um, out of Jason. And then uh, Steven Strasburg. Uh, I know it's early in his extension, but he has gotten better and better as he's maintained a member of the Washington Nationals. Uh, big, big pitcher contracts are the scariest thing in baseball. Yet within his first uh, two years in D.C., Max Scherzer has two Cy Young awards. So I want to say he has come close to, he might be worth half his contract already uh, that he signed. So the Nationals just have done such a great job of filling in with quality bench players, the Adam Lins, the Chris Heises uh, of the world that really make such a difference. I mean, Matt Adams had a monstrous home run in his uh, first appearance uh, of the season. Um and seeing these players, these great draftees, and seeing these uh, free agent signings really pan out, it's been really exciting to see. I mean, even Edwin Jackson, uh, he was, he's been an effective player, but he's not a multi-year deal, but 
the Nationals have done a really good job in the Mike Rizzo era of finding uh, the right players to spend money on. And so maybe that leads you uh, mentally a little bit into the offseason, the uh, pending free agency of uh, Bryce Harper. But that should show you that the organization really knows what they're doing when it comes to signing longer-term deals and that the investments that they make in the right players really is being put in the right place. So that should ease your minds just a little bit. So those are the three little random topics I had. Um, I'm always looking for more. I'm always trying to have some fun with this um, as well. I should because it is a podcast and we are here to have fun. So I'm going to take a sip of this beer. Oh, that's really good. Um, Okay, so... Without further adieu, adieu, we are going to get to questions. You guys, thank you so much for participating in this. I really want to find a way to stream this, uh, whether we do a Google Hangout and we just talk for a little while, um, or if, uh, and I'm not saying this, but uh, I am saying this, or maybe doing a alternate broadcast. Shh, I didn't say that. But maybe doing something like that where... Uh, you get a little side commentary on what's going on. Um, I think that could be a lot of fun and definitely a live show where I just sit there and talk for a while and we have a revolving door of actual in-person guests. So let's do that too. Okay, topics, questions, let's do it. Uh, How long is AJ Cole's leash with zero options left? I think... Uh, like I said earlier, he's got a pretty long leash. Uh, I think with the the quality of the Nationals ball club and the makeup of the division, I think that they can play around a little bit and see if A.J. Cole can kind of work it so that he's a better player um, and can be a number five starter effectively at the major league level. And if not, uh, time to get the right replacement in there. Uh, thank you for that. Bradley at Beh. DC. Uh, this question is from the Dan at the underscore Dan. Who's gonna get in a fight this year? Um, I would say Dan Colco is going to get in a fight. I think uh, the fight is going to be with me, um, and I am going to take his amazing plaid blazer because I want it. Um, gut feeling that Trey is gonna regress. Like I said earlier, Dan. Um, I think that Trey didn't have the best, most Trey Turner year last year. So I think last year was a bit of a regression for him. And I think he learned a lot. So I think this year is actually going to be more, uh, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be more better than last year. Uh, take that to the bank, the Dan. Uh, good old Ryan Sullivan at the Nats GM at NatsGM.com at Baron of baseball podcasts everywhere. Uh, great guy, good friend. Let's see, where's, uh, when is NanceGM.com going to guest host? Soon, soon. What am I drinking? I love this question. This is my favorite one every week. Uh, this week I am drinking a double orange starfish from Aslan Brewing Company in Herndon, Virginia. They are uh, a very popular brewery in Northern Virginia. Uh, and throughout 
actually America, their beers are highly sought after. Uh, they do these, they're called New England style IPAs. They're incredibly thick. Um, they look almost like orange juice, hence the name Double Orange Starfish. They are incredibly hoppy without the bitterness. So uh, they fall, they are not hoppy in the traditional sense. They kind of showcase uh, a little bit more of the flavor of hops without the added bitterness. So they're a really solid entry beer, uh, but they don't have a lot of shelf life on them. Uh, you can actually check out Aslan's beers at uh, somewhere in the Navy Yard. They have some type of beer garden going on uh, before Nats games that opens, I want to say, two hours before uh, first pitch uh, for, I think it's every game. I'm not exactly sure, but they just announced it uh, last week. So if you're looking for some Aslan stuff, and you should be if you like beer, uh, it's definitely all quality made, and they're they're good guys. Uh, I'm drinking this double orange starfish. It is delicious. It is also 8.3%, so I'm going to take another sip. Mm. I would like you guys to also tell me what you are drinking um, when you listen to this tomorrow on the way to the ballpark. Um, I'm expecting some coffees. I'm expecting some teas, um, and maybe one or two of you out there with a nice uh, Bloody Mary or some whiskey. I don't know. Who knows? If you're feeling froggy, jump in. Um, and I'm not going to opening day. Sorry. Who is my favorite Madison blogger and why is it me? Okay, Ryan. Um, I think it's you. And I think I'm only saying that because you are the only Madison blogger that I actually know. Uh, who wins? Rhonda Angle versus Triple H Steph. Well, uh, Kurt Angle is an American hero. Um, so it's definitely him and Ronda Rousey, uh, for sure. Ring of Honor or NXT Saturday night? I don't know anything about either of them, but I do know that my brother likes NXT, which is a wrestling thing, uh, so I'm going to say that one. Best song all time with a baseball theme. Goodness gracious. Uh, I think it's probably Take Me Out to the Ball Game. <laughs> I can't think of others right now. Uh, Center Field is a good one. Um, what would my walk-up song be? I've thought about this one a lot, and my answer changes. I really like Thunderstruck. Uh, I think that's a great one. Uh, remix to Ignition, um, a, a favorite. Uh, maybe do something a little bit crazy, like uh, Toto's Africa, uh, just to throw a little wild card. And maybe I would go with something like uh, New World Symphony or Finlandia. I think that would be a lot of fun to throw in some classical and really fuck some guys up. Um, okay, uh, also from the Dan, I have a gut feeling Bryce is going to return to 2015 form. Tell me I'm right and why. Well, Dan, I think you are right. I think we are going to see Bryce Harper really take a step uh, in this year. I think he's already kind of done it. And with the things I talked about earlier, calming down his, uh, his footwork a little bit. And I think you're going to see a real FU season from him. Um, Steve... How much do you love me? Uh, a bushel and a peck. There you go. Uh, also from the Dan, if you could do away with one in-game ritual or promotion at the ballpark, what would it be and why? Uh, for example, Dan would kill the kiss cam with fire. I think the kiss cam is a great one. I really like the Simba cam. I think that's a fun one. Um, if I could do away with one, I would definitely get rid of the Star Spangled Banner and God Bless America. Uh, I don't know if that counts as a ritual. Uh, I think those are not 
ballpark appropriate. Uh, not a fan. Uh, most of you who have listened to this show before probably already know that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Orbit is the best MLB mascot. Tell me why I'm right. From Steve at Nats in NY. I believe that stands for New York. Um, sure. He can be the best. That's cool. I like Bernie Brewer. Uh, I really like him. A barrel man also in Milwaukee. And if you can't deduce, I'm watching the uh, FS1 broadcast of the Milwaukee Brewers right now. So maybe that's why I'm saying Brewers things. Um, let's see. Uh, Steve also wants to be a co-host. Uh, why, yes, Steve, you can be a co-host. Uh, I've got a list of seven or eight people already. It was, uh, people that want to be revolving uh, co-hosts. So we will be in touch as I get more used to this and we start getting on somewhat of a reg- regular schedule throughout the season. But uh, seriously, I want to have everyone on. I want to talk to everyone because I think the people that listen to this show uh, that actually take the time to sit here for, to this point, 49 minutes of me just rambling, they probably only want to be guests so they don't have to do that. And so I don't sound as crazy. And that's fine. Uh, But I think everyone has a really interesting perspective. You guys have phenomenal questions. You guys are really interesting. And you guys, uh, most of you, uh, see baseball uh, from a very different perspective. And once again, I want to apologize for saying, guys, um, I try to get better. Folks, which uh, it's kind of hard. The internet's kind of ruined folks. But I think you folks out there uh, in Nat's Twitter have really interesting perspectives uh, different from my own, and I want to share your viewpoints with the world. So, Steve, yes, your compensation will be you get to be on a podcast with me. Um, we got a million questions from Jonathan Fang at John Fang one um, Let's see. Baseball pants, high socks or pajama pants? Uh, high socks, all day, every day. Uh, people have called my calves shapely, uh, and I really want to show those off. Um, Bryce bought designer cleats, so that's cool. Uh, how would I design my cleats? Um, I wouldn't. There you go. Uh, who should be the fifth starter? Asks Russell Whiting. Whiting. Russell underscore Whiting. Uh, fifth starter. I think right now sticking with Cole is not the worst thing. Uh, I think if we can get someone like Jake Arrieta or Clayton Kershaw, I think they'd be a great fifth starter. Um, I would settle for Jonathan Verlander, maybe Zach Grinke. Um, Corey Kluber would be really nice. Um, so I think that's who I uh, want to be my fifth starter. Um, question from John Fang. Optimal time of day to attend a baseball game. One four seven y um, I love a day game. There is nothing better than a day game, whether it's a weekday game or a Sunday day game. I think there's nothing better than watching baseball right there in the middle of the afternoon. Nice cold beer, hot dog, nachos. I think there's just something about it that's just special. Um, Back to Steve. Do you prefer your baseball games with or without snow? I prefer them without snow because I don't want to be sitting out in the cold for that long. Uh, From Fang. Two 12.5-ounce beers or one massive 25-ounce beer. Uh, What would I choose and why? Uh, It would depend on the cost. Uh, if it's more cost efficient for me to go with the 25 ounce beer, I'm going with the 25 ounce beer. But if it's um, more cost effective to get two uh, 12 and a half ounce beers, that's what I shall do. And that's 
really what's going to help make my decision. Uh, back to Brad. How many adult juice boxes will I drink tomorrow at opening day, and how much will I regret it? Um, you're going to drink too many, and no, you won't, because that's heroic. Um, let's see. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to skip the hot dog questions. Uh, what snack would I like to see more of at the ballpark? Uh, I believe we covered this last year. More food on a stick. Absolutely more food on a stick. I want to see some more um, more variety at the ballpark. Uh, some I like a hot dog. I like a burger. I like all those things. Those are all great. Um, but I think some more weirder options would be fun. Grasshoppers, for instance. Uh, you get to get one current Nats player off the Nats roster and could replace him with someone from the minors. Uh, right now, I really don't think I would change much. Um, I wouldn't want to bring up Victor Robles because uh, keep his service time down a little bit. Um, but, I mean, he would be the one I would put Victor Robles in, for sure. Uh, Going to be kind of chilly outside for these spring games. What beer and or cocktail would you recommend in this weather for a ball game? I would recommend Fireball in a plastic flask hiding inside of a sock. End of story. Uh, if I were a beer sommelier uh, for a ballpark, and by the way, the term is Cicerone, by the way, uh, if you were a beer sommelier for a ballpark, how would being in a ballpark affect your recommendations for beer? Obviously, you want to stick away from super high alcohol content beers um, because uh, being drunk at a baseball game is not the most enjoyable thing. Uh, most of us are there to enjoy the game and to pay attention to it. Having a few beers, uh, some of the lighter session beers definitely um, would be up my alley. I would have more Kolsch available. Um, definitely a, a wider variety of IPAs and craft lagers for sure because it's just better that way. Um, how long is it going to take for Zim on timing? Well, like I said earlier, uh, thank you, Patty, for the question. Um, it's going to take him a little while. He didn't really have a spring break or a spring break. Oh, man, I wish it was spring break. Ooh, that'd be nice. Oh. He didn't really have a spring training. Uh, he got some time in the on minor league side, but he really hasn't faced major league pitching. So I think it's going to take him a week or two to really get settled. Um, Michael A. Taylor seems off, uh, off a little bit. Should we have sold high? I don't think so. He had a great year last year, and it's only been six games. So wouldn't be too concerned at all. Uh, give him the time. Where do I stand on minor league pay issue? I think it's criminal that uh, our Republican Congress has passed a law that pays minor leaguers well below minimum wage and treats them as seasonal workers. As of right now, minor league baseball players are making $1,100 a month on the minimum. $1,100 a month. That's for everything all in. That is poverty. That is impossible. Um, Major League Baseball, each team received $50 million alone, each team last year, from Major League Baseball in the sale of BAM Tech. <coughs> um, gates are at an all-time high. TV contracts are at an all-time high. Owners are richer than ever. Um, yet, no one wants to pay for minor league players. Uh, I'm wondering what it's going to take for the first owner to say, screw you all. I'm going to pay my minor league players more than anyone else uh, and get the best talent and feed them well and pay them housing, whether it's 
you have uh, dormitory style where they don't have to worry about living. Whether it's instead of paying them for six months out of the year, which, oh, by the way, they don't get paid for spring training. Um, whether it's paying them for 12 months of the year, an l- actual living wage, which will be difficult now that our Republican Congress has signed a bill into law called the Make America's Pastime Great Again or something bullshitty like that. Um, it'll be a lot harder for them to fight for their rights. Um, but I think it's uh, an abomination. And I think if I were ever in a uh, situation where I would be in front of uh, the Lerner family, uh, that would be my question. Why will you not pay your minor league players a living wage? And uh, it's shameful. It's an embarrassment. Um, I really wish some more Major League Baseball players would stand up and say, this is no way for any one of them to live um, when it really wouldn't take that much more money than what they're already making. I mean, uh, Major League Baseball owners spent billion, or millions of dollars lobbying to not, play, not pay their players millions and millions of dollars in the minors. And that's disgusting, and I hate it. So there's my stance on the minor league pay issue. Um, get to place a minor league team in the National Capital Region. Where would you place it, and what would you call it? I would place it in Loudoun County, uh, and I would call them, I don't care, because they would be in Loudoun County, and they would be really close to me, so that'd be nice. Um, how long do I think Ichiro will play? I think he will play forever and ever and ever. Amen. Uh, how long do I think Shohei Otani will be able to keep up both pitching and hitting? I do not think he will end this year as a batter. I think he will strictly be a pitcher. Um, let's see. One more. Maybe? Maybe? Is Atlanta actually good? No. No, they're not. They've got a couple good players, but they're not actually good. And I wouldn't worry too much about um, early April in the cold series. Really just wouldn't. Don't worry about it at all. So, I think that's going to wrap it up. We are just shy of an hour, and honestly, I'm not sure if this app that I'm using now, the Anchor app, Let's me go over an hour because there's a little recording bar uh, that looks like it's filling up. Oh, maximum recording time for segments is 60 minutes. So it looks like I can take a break in the middle if I want to make longer podcasts. So we'll see if I do that eventually. But that's okay. Uh, thank you again for tuning in to this episode of Nats Talk on the Go. I'm your host, Craig McHenry. You can find me at Craig Mac on Twitter. You can find the show at Nats Talk on the Go, where we've been a little bit more active. Um, so interact with us, follow us, share and retweet with your friends. Uh, so there we have it. Those of you going out to opening day, uh, make sure you listen to the podcast on your way in. Uh, please share your feedback, your thoughts, your everything. Thank you so much for listening. It has been my pleasure. Adieu.